Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back and thanks for joining us at the Places Where We Go. Bryce Canyon National Park may be on your list of things to do if you love national parks and the outdoors. And if you go to Bryce Canyon National Park, there's some other things you can do in the local area. So today we're going to start talking about some of those things. So today we're going to take you to the city. It's not really a city. It's more of a small town called Tropic, Utah, and a destination called Mossy Cave. So when we were at Bryce Canyon National Park, and that was the topic of our last podcast, We drove by this one part of the road a few times where we kept seeing cars parked in this parking lot and it looked to be a pretty popular spot. So we decided one morning we're going to go check out what this place is and uh, the place was called the Mossy Cave. We never planned to go to these two areas that we're going to be talking about. It was something we came upon which is one of the great things about you know, taking these adventures is that you can drive by something and, and say, you know, I really want to go see that and stop and see it. There's so much to do in this area that's outside of the parks that it's endless. You could, there's so much to do. So we stopped at Mossy Cave, not knowing at all what it was. And there was a trailhead. We had no idea how long this trail was going to be. We had no idea. I think we had a little bit of a sense that it, it was not a hard hike, that it pretty sure you looked something up before that said it yeah, was, you know, a, not a hard hike to take. So we stopped. We went kind of early because we wanted to get there before most of the parking was gone. There's not a lot of parking and people were stopping throughout the day. So some, it looked like a few times we went by, mm-hmm. it could have been difficult to find some parking. But everybody else seemed to be going to this place. So we said, hey, we should go check it out too. So on the road that goes from Bryce Canyon National Park to the town of Tropic, there's a pullout between mile markers 17 and 18 on this road. And that's where you find the parking lot. And I would imagine anytime you're probably driving down this road that people would run into the experience that we had where there's going to be cars there and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a popular site. So among the things that I guess are helpful to know about, Mossy Cave is physically located outside of Bryce Canyon National Park in terms of you don't have to show your park pass to get here. You don't have to pay to get here. It's right off the road. So if you can get your car into the parking lot, it is absolutely free. And so Mm -hmm. free attractions are always uh, interesting to us. So we decided to check it out. The 
trail from the parking lot to Mossy Cave, it's pretty short, but as you take the trail, you're gonna actually get rewarded by two sites in the area. One is what we'll talk about, which will be Mossy Cave itself, and then there's a waterfall that we'll talk about as well, mm-hmm. too. The trail, I think, as you mentioned, it's, it's fairly short. The sign that's in the area says it's 0.4 miles to the cave, so it's just under a mile round trip. A fairly easy walk, very modest inclines, if any. And this was one that we did that I think just about anybody could do this hike. So young people, old people, Mm -hmm. you don't have to be in the best of shape. So it's a nice little thing to do in the area. And this trail is also maintained by the Park Service. So they uh, seem to maintain it very well. There's no fear of having young children there. I saw people with strollers. It is a dirt path, so you would have to bring an appropriate stroller. But I saw older people there. It was just very comfortable walk for us. And it looked like for many others. So as we were walking, we came upon a stream not too far into the hike. It was a moderate to slow moving stream. The waters were interesting. I think the soil that it was picking all up along the way was coloring the water this kind of a milky white. And it was a place that you could stop and get refreshed because there's a little beach area that you can go down into, walk into that's right next to the stream. And you can just relax there and play in the water or have your kids play in the water and or look for rocks. I was just gonna say. <laughs> As we know, some people so, like to do. Yeah, some people like to do that. So it was really, really nice. We stopped at the beach area after we took the hike. Yeah. So that was really refreshing. I think if, if somebody wanted to do that, this would probably also be a place where if you you know walked into the area with a towel to sit on or mm-hmm. a small beachy kind of chair, yeah. you could just spend even some time on that little beachy area, just enjoy looking up. You have a nice day, up. bring yeah. an umbrella for the sun, and yeah, you could have a really nice day. Yeah, and when, when you're down at that part, so before you even get to the Mossy Cave itself, you look up and you have, I think they're actual hoodoos or you know those those types of structures. So there's those rock there formations walls, when you look there up. There was walls and windows. Yeah. I'm not sure about hoodoos. Yeah. But whatever they are. But it was gorgeous. Yeah. Bring your camera, neat things to see. But then after you get to the stream and this little beachy area, you keep walking a little more and then you run into... So as you're walking past the stream, you're going to go over a little bridge over the stream and go up. The trail starts to incline a little bit Mm -hmm. and you have a choice of which direction you want to go in. So the trail splits off. You go to the right and you're going to go up more of an incline, very short walk, very quick. And you get to this area called Mossy Cave. So when we were approaching it and like to your We point, didn't know what to expect. Yeah, so what did did you have anything in mind of what you thought we were going to I thought see? cave. I'm thinking cave. Yeah. And somehow we were going to walk into something that was more cave-like. Mm-hmm. But it is really not a cave that you walk into. It is something that has over time it has been shaped by water that's been leaking through the rock down into the stream below. And there apparently there's a spring there mm-hmm. that as it comes through the rock, it causes moss 
and algae and other things that grow when there's not a lot of light in the area. You can see this hanging off the top of the cave. And not a cave, but a, what would you call it? A grotto. It's a grotto. A grotto, yeah. yeah. I guess technically speaking. The sign in front of the mossy cave slash grotto also talked about that because of the way it's positioned, it doesn't get... I don't know if it gets any direct sunlight. And because of that, it does. as the water forms in the colder months through the winter and even all the way up through June in some years, you get icicles that form in this area. Yeah. So we were there in June, but by the time we were there, it started to heat up a bit. So there was no icicles. There was no icicles. Visit. Yeah. And apparently that is something that happens infrequently, but it does happen. Yeah. So that was the walk to the Mossy Cave, but we were a little bit surprised too because you also mentioned that as you're walking to the cave, the path goes one way to get you to Mossy mm-hmm. Cave, and when you go the other way, mm-hmm. you get to a waterfall. Mm-hmm. So Which we- you can actually see. I mean, before you turn off towards Mossy Cage, you'll see the waterfall. Yeah, I think there's a bridge you can take a look at it from, as well as when you're down on the trail, you can see it as well too. Now, we learned that this waterfall is not a natural waterfall either. It was actually created by the pioneers back in the day when they dug a 10-mile canal to bring water to Bryce Valley. Mm -hmm. And as part of that process, this waterfall was formed. And today, you can come to this area, take a look at the waterfall either from a distance or you can do what we did. And we walked all the way up to just about the the base of the waterfall. Which was a little more difficult I saw many people from all sectors of society walking over there. Some people that had any kind of disabilities would find it difficult because yeah. there's some drops that you literally have to climb down. Yeah, and it's a little more rocky, probably more unsteady. And I would imagine that depending on the time of the year, I don't know if the water level changes, so that might also make a little bit more complicated. Yeah, as the snow but- melts, I'm sure there's more. But when we were there, you know, it was fairly easy for us to make our way over there. So we walked right under the waterfall, got some neat photographs there, some videos as well. And that was a kind of nice, nice experience to be right at the base of these falls, a little unexpected extra feature that we did not know we were going to see. Very enjoyable too. Mm -hmm. Very enjoyable. Very, an easy hike, a good option for people of all ages You can see some beautiful walls or windows that have been formed over time. I do believe there is hoodoos. Now that I recall, I do believe there is hoodoos. And you see them up close, which is really nice too. So this stop lasted about an hour for us. So it's a nice little excursion that you don't have to devote a lot of time to. And again, if you're in the area of Bryce Canyon National Park, and if you know that you're going to have an hour or two to spare, this is going to be one of those places about 10 minutes, I think, away from the park entrance. Mm -hmm. That's a nice little addition when you're in the area of Bryce Canyon National Park. So when you leave this particular location, and if you keep heading on the road away from the National Park entrance, within a few minutes... You're going to come across a little town called Tropic. It is a very small town, and we drove through it several times. It's between our campground that we stayed at in Cannonville and the entrance to the Bryce Canyon National Park. It's located in Garfield County on Utah's All-American Road and Scenic Byway 12, just off the Utah Heritage Highway 89, south of the city of 
Panguitch. Mm-hmm. And very, very small, but has a history, has quite yeah. a history to it. Yeah, so, we, so we drove through yeah. it a few times during our time there. And I think it was one of those areas that as we w- drove through it, I mean, I don't know about you, but every time I get through a place like this, I get this itch to check it out and explore because you know that there's a story yes. to the town. And there sure enough is. They yeah. actually have what they call um, a heritage center, mm-hmm. which has a small museum in it. Yeah, so that's one of the things that we stumbled across. We learned a few things about the town as well, too. So when you hear the name Tropic, at least for me, you know, these visions of island type of Hawaiian paradises come to mind and in the middle of Utah that's not quite what you have but this people who settled here thought that the climate was kind of fairly mild and I think warmer from where it is that they came from so hence the name tropic for because for them I guess in comparison of what they were used to they thought that this was more of a tropical type of climate. You're about 6,300 feet up in elevation at, at this area, 11 miles from the entrance to Bryce Canyon National Park. So you said it's a small town. And when I, when I think about our drive through it, when we say small, my memory seems to be, it just seemed to be about, what, four or five blocks in one direction and maybe as many blocks in the other direction so real real small footprint but in the town itself they do have various amenities you've got a few restaurants there's some lodging there's a campground access to groceries gasoline post office a church a city park laundromat and bank and what what else do you need they even have a museum well it's a little city so yeah of course they have all that in tropic you literally have Bryce Canyon National Park is your background. And you have the Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument right at its front door. Mm -hmm. So there is an immense amount of scenery around this area, beautiful scenery. This little town will provide you these magnificent views in every direction you look in. And it's just a short car drive to the Bryce Canyon National Park or the Kodachrome Basin State Park, which is another park we will yeah. eventually talk about. So we parked the car and one of the signs that we saw gave some information about the origins of this town. And there was a quote on one of them that struck me as interesting. And it was about the experience of when they brought water to the town. And so mm-hmm. there's a whole story about how that came to be. And there was a whole lot of digging that had to happen. Initially, when the settlers came here, I believe there was not water in the town itself. And after a bit of effort, mm-hmm. now they, they had irrigation. And the quote on the sign says, and this is from one of the founding residents named Andrew Hansen. It will be no exaggeration to say that this was the greatest jollification ever had in this section of the country. We had barbecue, we had beef, we had veal, we had lamb and mutton. We danced all night until broad daylight. And that was their description of celebrating the arrival of water via the Tropic Ditch. And this event happened on May 23rd, 1892. Mm -hmm. And let's remember that this was done by hand and hand tools. Mm -hmm. It was just totally manpower. Yeah. And they equate that 
event that day, the the bringing of water as the birth of the town. So now that you have water there, now you can start to form a town. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things that has happened there. So our next stop was this museum that we had spied, I think, on our drive. Yeah, Yeah, so we stopped. We weren't even sure if it was open. Yeah, because this was during COVID time and so many things were closed. So I I think we were in part. Yeah, Yeah, also I was expecting we'd walk up to the door and yank on the door and it would be closed and we'd have to go do something else. Right. And it is a small town, so you don't see a lot of people walking around and the hustle and bustle going on, especially, you know, in this time that we're in. So we opened the door and it was open and there was a very nice lady in front and she gave us a brief little description of the museum and said there's only two rooms you know pretty much have at it and so we went to the museum part first Mm -hmm. and it had a lot of displays about what it was like in tropic in the early years yeah not only the early years so this first room that we went into talked about the geology of the area and the landscape and actually you know they they tried to portray what the land was like over millions of years and there was this one kind of a map on the wall with a you are here and a depiction of way back when that they believed where tropic is located today and and when you're there it just seems like this barren almost desert-like environment and they believe 50 million years ago from the geological research that they've done that this used to be part of a large freshwater formation so there used to be a large ancient lake in the area that over millennia had disappeared and there's fossil records that provide evidence that there was a rich sea life and in fact in the museum among the things that you're going to see are fossils that were recovered in this area and so those were uh, those were pretty neat to look at. I always enjoy that. I, well, you know I do. They had displays of what it was like uh, when the Native Americans were there in mm-hmm. that area, living in that area. There was some actual artifacts from that time, which is very, very interesting to me. They had some fossils of animals from water at that time the prehistoric time so it was just completely fascinating to know that this all came from the same area and they had some of the specimens dated as well too so you know one that we saw was a a fossilized turtle that one was dated as 80 million years old we also saw dinosaur Dinosaur bones bones, that were also dated at 80 million years old so if you like fossils kind of that natural history Mm -hmm. you're going to get a sense of that in this museum and and to me it was kind of neat that it was not so I, i think about when you go to a place like the los angeles natural history museum which is close to where we live you've got dinosaur bones and various natural history but in this particular museum this was like dug up right in the right in in the the area they had yeah they also had petrified wood which says that there was a time when it was forested there Mm -hmm. so that and that always fascinates me too because you think about how many millions of years it took for this wood to actually get all those minerals and everything in it to actually make it stone and they were very large large samples yeah of the trunks were pretty, wood. Pretty they're big. very big very big you can touch them so mm-hmm. a little bit of a, an interactive experience there and when, when again when i see this kind of stuff it always helps 
me to remember that the planet that we live on has always gone through change. And I don't know if everybody always, you know, realizes that what is a desert today wasn't always that way. Right, and there's right. been, you know, some places that dry today were lakes mm-hmm. millions of years ago. Places today, there's no trees, used to be covered in mm-hmm. forest. And it's just, you know, the world is constantly going through yeah. Or the fact changes. that there's underground water yeah. in the area. that That's always fascinating to me that with some engineering, you can actually bring up that water and create a city around it. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. amazing. Mm -hmm. Also in this same first room that we were in, there was a little bit of history about mining that happened in the town of Tropic after the settlers arrived. So this would be a turning point for the local economy. There's on display stock certificates from the early mining companies and these companies, and I think this would probably would have been in the late 1800s, early 1900s, they would have mined for coal, for bentonite. They even tried to mine for gold, but that proved to be unsuccessful. But in any event, that's another part of the history of this town. And so, you know, that's a little glimpse of what you're going to see in the one room. And then we went across the hallway into another room to see what else they had to show us. Which was more modern history of the town, 20th century. It contained mainly exhibits from the early to mid 20th century. It focused on the schools in the community, the very, very small student population, It had, interestingly enough, the students participated in sports and competed against other students, which was very interesting to me. When you think about how small this place was. It was so small. Yeah. Yeah, You just kind of wonder where did all these kids come from? But you can see a copy of the dedication of the school. This school had actually burned down and they did not rebuild it, the actual original school, but they did build another school. I believe on the same site. Am I correct? I I think so. Not 100% sure. Yeah. Yeah. I think the damage was too much. So you walk into this room and you would move around the room because everything is displayed against the walls. Mm -hmm. So we kind of went counterclockwise and you can view the early 20th century entertainment, household items, things that they would use in a daily living they had music and film. They had a phonograph. They had a silent film projector, which I remember that. That was really interesting. Mm-hmm. They had old typewriters. I mean, just anything you could think of that kind of displayed what it was like to live in that early 20th century. Yeah, some of and, the things yeah, that caught my eye. One of the, one of the items in the room was a, a milk separator. Yeah. I take for granted today. You know, if I need milk, I just hop in the car and go down a couple of blocks to Trader Joe's and grab a milk. And I guess back in the day, it was a much more involved process. The milk separator created butter, right? Maybe it did. Maybe cream, maybe butter. I haven't. Because milk separates the fat yeah. comes to the top. Yeah. So maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, it was See, interesting. we live in a different era. <laughs> I think if we lived 100 years ago, we would know not only what a milk separator does, but how to use it. Yes, Today we maybe just we go, should learn. Yes, <laughs> just go to the museum. As we continued our walk around the room, the last one of the last things that we saw there, and this always grabs my eye, so anything that's music-related, there was a nice reed organ in the uh, corner of the room that was used at the local LDS church, and there was a portrait of the lady who played the instrument sitting on top of the organ. So... Uh, it's a little example of the kind of things you would see in this museum. So for us, it was a short visit. I found it super interesting. I always like to learn about 
life in these very, very small communities. Mm -hmm. I don't think we were inside more than about a half hour or so. But no, there was... and we took our time too. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is very, very small, but very enjoyable. Yeah, we do have a blog post up that's on the placeswherewego.com site as well, where we show a bit of quite a number of photographs that yeah. we took with some descriptions. So if you want to see an example of what you would see in this museum, just head out to our website. Well, lastly, with the inside of the museum, at least, there was no fee to right. see anything. So right. I imagine you could make a donation mm -hmm. um, if you um, wanted yeah. to. So, But we weren't done. We were not we done. We walked outside and we saw a area that looked like it was a memorial and walked over. And it is a veterans memorial, which had listed all the people in the area that has served in the military. Mm -hmm. There was quite a few. There was, um, yeah. And it was quite a big time span. I think it, it went all the way from the very early years where... It might have the, been like World War World I. World War I. I yeah. think it started World War I, and it went all the way to the Korean War. I don't remember the Vietnam War, but I remember the Korean War. It spanned several yeah. military events. So that was fun. We kind of just uh, perused it, looked at names, mm -hmm. and a lot of the names were um, the same. So I assume they were all from the same family. Mm -hmm. And there was a area, I think, that was dedicated to those that perished during yeah. wartime. Yeah. So a nice memorial that you can also spend some time viewing and just thinking about people that served this country. Mm -hmm. And they come from... All states, all cities, and even very, very, very small towns like mm -hmm. Tropic, Utah. Mm -hmm. Now, when we were both in the museum, as well as in Bryce Canyon National Park itself, we kept reading about this gentleman named Ebenezer Bryce. And I think it was in the museum that there was some indication that the cabin that Ebenezer Bryce lived in was located in the town of Tropic. So mm -hmm. I remember we tried to venture out to see if we could find this and a couple of things about mr bryce so he was a scotsman back in uh, the late 1800s who lived in the area and if you look at his last name bryce hmm mm -hmm. sounds really familiar to bryce canyon national park and it actually is his name that the national park takes on so he settled just south of this area in 1875, and then along with a gentleman named Daniel Goulding, they dug a seven-mile canal from Pine Creek to irrigate the East Valley farmlands in the area, and also built a road in the highlands above the ranch where he lived to get timber, to get drinkable water. And in the days when he was there, the locals called the area Bryce's Canyon. And then you fast forward to today, mm -hmm. and the broader area is now Bryce Canyon National Park. So given the gentleman's history, we thought it would be neat to see the original cabin where he lived. And we were told that it was just across the street from the museum, mm -hmm. down a block or so, and right. on the grounds of what is today... Uh, kind of a motel slash campground area. Yeah, I think, right? I think there's RVers are there. Yeah, so RVers we walked over there and kind of, you know, glanced around where we could see things to see if we, you know, do we see like something that looks like it's this old cabin and we weren't seeing anything. And I popped my head into the, the lobby of this area and asked the lady, hey, where can we find Mr. Bryce's cabin? 
And to my dismay, we were told that the cabin has since been dismantled. Mm -hmm. It's in storage somewhere. And if it's ever going to be put back together again and put on display, she didn't know. Yeah. So at least in the, the time that we went, all we could do was read about the history of Mr. Bryce, read about his cabins. I, th- I think there were some photos related to him in the museum, mm-hmm. but yeah. in terms of actually seeing the physical cabin yeah. that he lived in, that was not going to happen on our visit. Yeah. It was lunchtime. Mm -hmm. So we had packed a lunch and brought it with us. And we went off to find an area where we could eat our lunch. So we just took a a little turn into uh, part of the residential area and drove up a little bit. And I think you were on the phone trying to find something, Mm -hmm. you know, that would uh, be a park. And we found a park there. And it was very quiet and very nice and very shaded had a little area of tables that were covered with a gazebo-y type thing, you know, so they were covered. I remember how loud the birds were. There was lots of trees yeah. and, the, and there was lots of birds in the trees. So we enjoyed our lunch there. We just sat there and ate lunch. It was very quiet and the birds were singing and cool and shaded. And we just enjoyed, we enjoyed our time in that, just that mm-hmm. little park right there. The park offers some grills. It has plenty of lawn for playing. You could play volleyball or frisbee. The kids would love it. There's a little swing there and a playground that has the slides, the merry-go-round. Actually, some kids showed up and they started playing on the Mm -hmm. playground. It even has a horseshoe pit if you wanted to spend a day there. So it it offers quite a bit in this little plot of land that uh is in this tiny little town yeah so i think for us all combined the visit so we did both of these things on the same morning Mm -hmm. so between the visit to mossy cave the waterfall spending time at the museum having lunch that was a good several hours in the morning so again we didn't plan to do any of this but stumbled across these opportunities in the area so again if you plan on visiting bryce canyon national park just know that there's other things within a relatively short driving distance you can do these are two of them And And there's much, much more. Yeah. And so when we get together next time, we'll talk about some of the bigger things in terms of bigger landscapes Mm -hmm. that you can visit and uh, spend some time in as well. So more to come. And as always, we thank you for listening. Don't forget to like us on the podcast engine of your choice. And we will talk to you in a couple of weeks with more information. Until then, thanks for joining us on the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.